You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We welcome you in a Thursday Locked On Syracuse podcast. It's Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky talking some Syracuse hoops today. A heavy hoop show as we get closer and closer to hoop season, and we are on a bye week for football. We've got a couple different things to talk about today. But first, be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And feel free to drop a review for us wherever you get your podcast. Open up that podcast app. Put a little review if you want to give a little take on Dior Johnson or the Syracuse hoop season or anything like that. And just get your thoughts out there on the state of the SU program. Go ahead and drop a take in your review and we can shout you out on the show and, and put your take on the show as well. And same goes for our Twitter account. Reach out to us there. So uh, speaking of recruiting, before we kind of get into the ACC polls, which is going to be the first half of the show today, Ty, did you see Benny Williams is officially inked going to the orange? Good, I did. good to see you that know, after, after the Dior news. sad <laughs> that meeting the expectation just means so much now? Like, yeah, I mean, just... <laughs> The fact that Benny Williams is signing his letter of intent, that he's fulfilling his commitment to the Orange, it just felt like that was a big mountain to get over. Yeah, and now we're here. Relief. Like meeting expectation <laughs> has now become the abnormal. That's 2020, though, right? I mean, that's the way we're all living these days. And yes, but that we is always celebrate. That's this. also I Syracuse mean, fandom. I mean, Syracuse fandom kind of feels like a 2020 in general. Yeah, I don't. Don't make it that disappointing, but All you're right, probably fine. right. I'm but... just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, I think we always celebrate the letter of intent anyway, because it's just nice to see it officially. And we're both very excited about Benny. We've talked about him on different podcasts, but good to see that, especially the timing of it. Right after Dior, it was just nice to get some good news to prop us back up. Let's just stop bit. calling and... him the next Carmelo, please. I mean, well, yeah. those are I, James Zuba had a, a spot on tweet um, because I think it was Jake Weingarten who who does a phenomenal yeah, job by the way. The he Carmelo. he loves Benny Williams, and he was putting all this Carmelo praise on him, but. James Zuba with a, a great rebuttal. So Jake Weingarten's tweet, Syracuse fans should be thrilled. Top 30 senior Benny Williams just signed his NLI. Uh, Williams has received Carmelo comparisons. And Zuba <laughs> replies, no reason to think Williams can't become the next Carmelo Anthony at Syracuse. He could easily come in, average 22 and 10, and lead Cuse to the national championship. He'll probably get drafted early in the 2023 NBA draft and donate millions for the next practice facility. So, <laughs> I love that one. By the way, James yeah. James Zuba will be joining us next week to get yes, our season him. preview underway for Syracuse Whoa. basketball. We're going to get his thoughts on the upcoming Orange squad. Yeah, great follow on Twitter, James Zuba. So shout out to him. That was pretty funny. Anyway, let's get into the ACC poll that came out. It was the Operation Basketball today, which is just media day. I don't know why they, they have to give it some special title. Some, not just a, a anything that's called Operation blank. It just yeah, it's you've like nerded a space it up. Mission. You've nerded I, I it up. Know. Yeah, it, it's all yeah. of a sudden not cool, right? And obviously, this is all virtual given the time. So the polls come out, and Syracuse is sixth on the polls. Speaking yeah. of some other good news, maybe how to prop about that? Up I mean, after Dr. So yeah. you would have guessed seventh. Yeah, I mean, I, I think would have sixth too. is. I, I'm I'm high on this team as I've talked about. I if I was doing and I did do my ACC poll, I put them sixth and. 
I think that is about as high as anyone. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You get an ACC poll vote? Yeah, you don't? No, what? I got the email from last year because I was there. I I, I mean, I'm on the list of, like, I get all the communications email. Maybe I just didn't click on it and yeah, you I might just, have missed like, it went to my junk mail or something but i don't get a vote what what the hell is this well we got to get you on that All because right. we got to get some more so the weird thing is though i will say you get to vote for player of the year and you get to do your acc teams right the player mm-hmm. of the year by the way preseason player of the year is garrison brooks he got 102 votes sam house yeah, was wasn't second even with close. 24 mm-hmm. yeah so but the weird thing is only one guy is put down from each team and for some reason, Syracuse put Dolzhai as their player of the year guy. And maybe that's just because he was going to the media days. And I think he spoke for Syracuse, which I think some people talked about this, but pretty awesome that Dolzhai, who is, and I think he did this a little bit last year too, you know, English yeah, is not his first language. language. Yeah. And it's pretty cool that he's at this point now and we've watched him sort of grow into this point. And he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but... I was like, oh, well, I, not that I would have put Buddy Beheim or Joe Girard for ACC Player of the Year, but maybe they would have gotten one vote. I, probably not, but still it was bizarre that they you could only vote for Dolajai, and that's who was put up there from the Syracuse side of things. Yeah, that that is interesting. Hmm. But so, I, I can't get over this. Okay, whatever. I, I'm not mad. <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad. I Honestly, I think it's just in a separate email. Because that's it was in an email that I don't use anymore. But when I went to the event, that was a common email for me, if that makes sense. And Again, they still have mad. that on file. I'm not mad. So, yeah, yeah, you seem a little mad. But anyway, uh, we will mad. move on. No, uh, all ACC mentions for Syracuse. They only did two teams, and they actually had six players on the first team, which is kind of a odd thing. Chris Likes was tied with another guy. I forget who. Amir but, Sims. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So and. I didn't really disagree too much with the all ACC teams. We don't have to really get into that. But did you think maybe I never thought Beheim or Gerard would get a nod, but I do think there's a world where Gerard is an all ACC player by the end of the year. And even Beheim, I think both. Gerard yeah. probably. I, yeah. I'm not surprised. And again, when you evaluate these all ACC teams, I think that the expectation, not the expectation, but if you're putting in to realistic terms of how it could all shake out, the ceiling is probably a second team for either of those guys. I don't think either of them are going to be a, a first team guy. Now, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love, but Chris yeah. Likes is a fantastic player heading into his senior season. Sam Hauser, great player. Um, and then, of course, Scotty Barnes is probably the top freshman in this conference. Jalen Johnson, also spectacular. So, and, and then even on the second team, I mean, David Johnson, he had some some moments last year. Kihei Clark, I'm a little surprised he's not on the first team. Um, yeah. And he's not on the first team by quite some margin, too. MJ Walker, Jose Alvarado. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And there are some really good guards in the ACC. Now, Syracuse does have some really good guards, too. So I would say that the third team is probably more likely if we see either of them. Or, and quite frankly, you could see a Syracuse backcourt on that third team, maybe. But they just didn't make a, yeah. a third team option. So... Did, did you vote since you have a vote? Um, did you vote for <laughs> this is really bothering you? <laughs> did you vote for either of them on the third team? I I don't I from what I remember, you only had a first team vote. Oh, you only had first then team vote. I'm okay. assuming what happened is the second team is just based yeah. On... I mean, so I've got the I get I get the emails, but I don't get the votes. 
I get the emails for the the release on the players and how many votes each of them got. So I'm looking right now. So the second team, David Johnson, 46 votes. Jose Alvarado, 43 votes. MJ Walker, 38 votes. Kihei Clark, 37. Wendell Moore, 32. Yeah. That's all just people put them in their first team. I, I'm okay. almost 100% sure. I, I did yeah, that's probably how ago, it is. But yeah. So in, in knowing that, I, I did not even really entertain, honestly, putting a Syracuse guy there. To me, the ceiling for this team is Joe Girard becomes a second team guy. And I mean, he could. I mean, there's a world that if Syracuse is really good, he gets to the first team where Bayheim does. Hughes was first team last year, and he was not on any of the preseason teams. So, you know, that kind of shows you how much things can change. And there will be instances of that from different players this season. Definitely looking forward to having Syracuse hoops in the future and being able to just sit back on a couch and watch Syracuse basketball. And when I do that, I'll have Coors Light by my side as well, my favorite beer. Coors Light is the only beer out there that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Nothing like that moment of Syracuse basketball tipping a game on a weeknight, maybe a 7 or 8 p.m. tip, and you have that beer and you hear that little crack when you open it and get the Coors Light just right, take that first refreshing sip. Make sure that you keep Coors Light in mind this basketball season and football season for the rest of the way for Syracuse football. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered right to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In terms of the team rating being sixth overall, I crunched some numbers and, you know, Syracuse, this is about what they usually are since they've joined the ACC. This will be year eight in the ACC and they were projected eighth last year. They finished sixth. They finished sixth the past two seasons, but last year they outperformed their ranking by going up to sixth after being projected eighth in this preseason poll. That's actually surprisingly the only time in the first seven years in the ACC they've outperformed their preseason poll ranking and wow, finished okay. the year ACC-wise. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that, and, that definitely is. Yeah, and there's been a couple times in, in 2013, the first year, they were projected second, they finished second. So you could make a case that they pretty much performed to the expectation there, but they have never outperformed or overshot their expectation. And... Honestly, it's going to be tough for them to do it this year at six. I'm not as high on Louisville as other teams, but I think it's pretty clear that there is a drop off for a lot of people in the top five. And then you get to the next tier. But good to see that Syracuse is heading up that tier in the polls. And in fairness, last year's ACC was down. There were four teams that were the best of the best. And then, of course, Georgia Tech, who I believe also finished ahead of Syracuse last year, but was ineligible for the tournament. They, yeah, they, they would five. have bumped them down a spot, but I, I don't think that would have mattered really. But with Syracuse, when I look at this ranking of six, and again, so they are the first team that did not receive a first place vote. So worth mentioning that as well. But I think the respect that they're getting at six, I think these voters are seeing a budding backcourt with Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim, and then an impact transfer who's eligible right away in Alan Griffin, and then you've got some key returning pieces. Sure, you're losing an all-ACC first-team guy, a ACC Player of the Year candidate from a season ago, the leader in scoring, but I think the voters are seeing that there is 
plenty that has been made up in what they did in the offseason with transfers, with recruiting, and then the guys that are coming back that can make an impact for this team, whether it's Dolajai, whether it's the way Sadibe closed out last season, and then on the recruiting trail with guys like Kadari Richmond getting a lot of hype. And then you also talk about a guy like Frank Anselm who comes in late in the process and can maybe make a splash. So when I look at all of that, I think that there is a chance that this team can get to fifth. I don't know if they'll crack the top four. I would bet against yeah, that. I, how much would I bet against that? I'm not quite sure yet. But it all kind of depends on Alan Griffin, I feel like. If Alan Griffin is this phenomenal guy who can extrapolate what his per 36 numbers were and put that out on the floor when he does get 36 minutes a night, then you're looking at a, a really, really good team. But without that, I think that they're properly placed right now. Sixth in the conference, and that's not a bad thing in the ACC. Yeah, I thought they would be seven. And I think I did the reason too. why yeah. I thought that is because why am I high on this team? I'm high on them for a number of reasons, but one of the big reasons is because we've been hearing good things from Alan Griffin and Kadari Richmond. We've been hearing some buzz from them. And I think if you're not very close to the Syracuse program, you might not have gathered that information, especially on the Richmond front and even Griffin to an extent, because, you know, I was listening to uh, the three man weed podcast. They do a good job kind of covering all of college basketball. And I know you and I kind of like their stuff, but they, They were talking about Syracuse, and they basically said, I don't see why Syracuse fans are so high on Alan Griffin. Like, if he was at Illinois, we wouldn't be talking about him that much. We'd be like, yeah, and then they have this guy, Alan Griffin, on the bench. And that's it. You know, you can take, like, I understand that point of view, and I think that's why some people would put Syracuse in the 8-9 range, and you're seeing that a lot, is because you just sort of say, oh, they got this guy, Alan Griffin. He'll be another guy for them, but he's not going to be Elijah Hughes. I don't think he's going to be Elijah Hughes. Yeah, I mean, you would have said the same thing about Elijah Hughes two years ago, too. Yes, I mean, when you talk about... That's a good point. And if anything, you would have been probably been a little more demeaning towards Elijah Hughes. Oh, he's a a transfer from East Carolina. Like, how (laughs) how can you expect this guy to come in? And then, boom... Two years later, he's the leader in the ACC in points per game. He's a big-time contributor for a team that went to the Sweet 16. I mean, I just think that is a pretty pretty irresponsible to say, like, oh, well, why are we talking about Alan Griffin? Well, he wasn't given an opportunity at Illinois. That's why he transferred. Yeah, numbers so, were great. Yeah. So when you look at that, it makes me think, yes, this guy is obviously going to be an impact-level player for this team. And I don't like Jim Beheim's got a very good track record of hitting on these transfers too. And especially if it's coming power five, I, I really like the the chances that Syracuse can have a good season because of Alan Griffin. Yeah, I'm with you. So if you had to pick, and even if he finish? doesn't pan out, I don't think Alan Griffin dictates the season. I think he dictates the ceiling. Okay. Yeah. He, he can like take that. this team to another level. But if he is just the guy who he was at Illinois and maybe he he gives this team nine points a game on 38% shooting from three, and I think that's a very, that's obviously a, a low floor for, maybe the, the shooting percentage is about spot on, but nine points per game I think is a, would be a little underwhelming for Syracuse fans. I don't think that determines the, the magnitude of the season. I still think this team would probably end up, obviously, they wouldn't be some mega top 25 team, but they'd probably be a bubble team at that point. 
And for Syracuse fans, that's the life you've gotten used to living these past couple of years. So when I look at Alan Griffin, yes, he dictates the ceiling, not the season. I think that's a great point there. And I'm not saying he's going to be Elijah Hughes. I just feel like he could give you 13 points a night and he'll be a guy that will take over some games and be a little bit more streaky than Elijah Hughes, but going to be a capable playmaker for them offensively, for sure. And then Richmond, too, I'm I'm buying his hype as well. And I think that's what it comes down to for me. That's the biggest reason as to why I'm a little bit higher. And the other thing is, I'm not quite sure that the ACC is going to be that good. And, And I know a lot of people will say, oh, they were down last year, and it's going to be better this year. North Carolina, I think, is going to be better, and that's a big reason why. And that top tier is probably going to be a little more sturdy, you would imagine. I think Virginia is going to be just a top 10 team throughout the year, probably this year, with Hauser and a little bit more offense. Yeah, maybe even top five the whole year. Yeah, and I I like those teams, but I think we still run into the same problem of of last year where there were three good teams and then a drop-off. This year, I'd say there's four good teams. And then to me, I'm just not buying the Louisville hype because... You've got a lot of guys that are already injured there for the Cardinals. I saw Williams is out for 12 weeks, and Minlin, their transfer, is out for six weeks. And Williamson, Samuel Williamson, is already not practiced because of injury. So there's obvious injury concerns before we even got to the season, and I don't feel great about Louisville to begin with. They've got a lot of guys that are going to have to take a step up, and I think David Johnson's good. But I, So I think we could see a similar ACC where it's four teams and a drop-off. And then I think Syracuse is right at the top of that tier again. And if they finish six in the conference, that should put you in the NCAA tournament. It it probably wouldn't have done it last year because that's where they finished when you take out Georgia Tech and they would not have made the NCAA tournament. But they were also terrible in the non-con last year. I think, yeah, six in the ACC, it'll be stronger than last year it, it won't be weak but not by this. that much but, I don't yes think, yes is what i'm saying I th- but yeah. it's stronger to the degree where six gets you into the ncaa tournament. i would even probably say seventh gets you into the tournament eighth you're probably a bubble team like that's that's what we're looking at right here when i i look at how much better the acc has gotten year to year and i i i, I get your concerns with louisville obviously losing noora is going to be a big blow for them but he wasn't great in the big games for them last year i mean there were a lot of times where he would struggle he was he was great i mean well he was lights out against syracuse if i'm remembering correctly and i just think that it's gonna be a it's gonna come down to i think can syracuse if they can get the production from alan griffin that is not all acc level but if he can get you 13 to 15 points a game you're going to be looking at a Syracuse team that's probably fifth in this conference. And fifth is going yeah, to have you be. comfortably, like snugly in the tournament. Like probably between a 6-7 a seed, I would guess. Is that, yeah. that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, maybe not quite that high. I think it just depends, right? And again, it's part of this to too also has to do with how about the rest of the, the country? I mean... Is the Big Ten going to once again put that many teams in the tournament? Is the Big East going to look like one of the deeper conferences in college basketball? Because I think the Big East got a lot worse this year. The Big Ten kind of held stagnant, maybe got a little worse, but I mean, the Big Ten was just on another level last year. I mean, that that was a conference that could have put in a dozen teams almost into the tournament. Big East w- was probably going to send 70 to 80% of their conference, but I don't think that's the case this year. 
Big Ten, they're probably still going to be looking at in the ballpark of 9 to 11 teams in the the tourney this year. And then the ACC, those spots are now up for grabs, those extra three to four at-larges. So I would imagine the ACC probably scoops up about half of them. All right, I may not have a vote in the ACC polls, but I do have one for the best protein gel out there. Hands down, no question, unanimous preseason number one, it's Built Go. Every day you face a new wall. Today, mine is finding a way to get a vote in the ACC poll. So how am I going to attack that wall? Well, I'm going to load up on some Built Go, run 750 miles down to Greensboro, and bang on those ACC headquarter doors until they let me have one. All kidding aside, though, think of your favorite energy drink, but eliminate the crash, and boom, you've got Built Go. They're easy to carry, one and a half ounce packages make it perfect to put in your briefcase, gym bag, or pocket so you can break through whatever wall life throws your way wherever it throws it at you. There's three delicious flavors peanut butter honey, chocolate mint, and chocolate coconut. Built Go combines energy gel with fast-absorbing collagen protein, which makes it easy on your stomach as well. It'll ignite your day and then keep you going strong thanks to its high B6 and B12 vitamin levels. Now you too can break down your daily walls. Go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you will get 20% off your next order. Let's go. Okay, let's get into the ACC schedule now. That dropped this week, and we now know all the dates. And normally, I think I saw Matt Park, the voice of the Orange, was tweeting like, normally this means we'll see you in the Dome then, but we don't know whether the fans will be involved. Obviously not looking great on that front. But my takeaways to the schedule, Syracuse has an easy start and kind of a tough close. And they've got some tough road games mixed in, but you look at the start, it's at BC on December 12th. It's home against Notre Dame in, the, in your second ACC game on December 22nd, and then after Christmas, it's Wake Forest on December 29th or the 30th. There's a couple games that have or dates in there, and they'll sort of iron those out, but that's about as good as it gets and as light as it gets on paper for your first three games in the conference. Right. I mean, you look at BC, Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame, talk about a team who, who lost, they, they probably suffered the biggest loss out of anyone yeah. in the ACC by losing John Mooney. I mean, you open the season, and just going off of this this preseason poll, you're going against three of the four worst teams to to open out of the gate. So I don't want to say you got to be 3-0, and but in, in an ACC where you're probably going to face some, some tougher teams this year, and again, a lot of the toughest games for this team are on the road. You look at... UNC, that the first UNC matchup on the road. You've got Virginia on the road, Duke on the road, Louisville on the road. You do have that Those extra game against games. UNC at home. You have a Florida State game at home, but you're facing three of the top four teams or three of the top five teams on the road. I'm not going to say chalk them up as losses, but those are going to be very tough games to win. So you're going to have to make up for those. And, and getting out to a hot start and, and building some momentum leading into that first road game against UNC, a team that, sure, you, you smacked down on them in the ACC tournament. This team has sucked against UNC. Like, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the exact record in front of me. But since joining the ACC, I think they've beaten UNC twice now. Yeah, I mean, I they they've have won been, one of the last eight, yeah, I believe, and it was the last one. That They have not performed well against the Tar Heels. I don't know what it is if Royce figured out the 2-3 zone ever since that 0-3 championship loss, but they have just been abysmal 
against the Tar Heels. And you're going to have them twice on your schedule this year. And the last time you had them twice, you actually had them three times because you played them in the Final Four. So I, I'm looking at the schedule, and you're going to have to make up a lot of game, a lot of your ground early in the year because who knows how this whole thing fleshes out with COVID and all that stuff. And we'll, we'll see. I, I, again, yeah, it's I think gonna be weird. I hate the schedule release in terms of the the hype because it's stupid for us to go win loss win loss win loss down the, oh, the yeah. aisle here. But the the whole hype around the schedule it's joyous because it it gives you a sign that all right basketball's right around the corner. But at the same time, like it's stupid. It, like you play, you knew what teams you were playing this year. Now you just have dates. And especially in a season when there's probably not going to be fans, you can't even go through and pick out the games you want to go to. So yeah, I, I find these schedule releases very overhyped and probably the most overrated thing in sports. Well, usually too, the schedules come out and then you have to wait for the season. The interesting thing about this one is the schedule came out so late in the process. It, we're looking at these games like December 12th is kind of, right around the corner and they book a Buffalo game today, which I mean, now you've got, this is what we know of the schedule so far, at least before new year's you've got November 27th. It's been reported. They will play Bryant to open the season should be a win. December 8th is at with a number 24 Rutgers team in the uh, big 10 ACC challenge, which will be a tough game on the road. And then they have that BC game on the 12th. December 19th is a Buffalo game in non-con, and then the, the two ACC games that I mentioned, Notre Dame-Wake Forest, to round out December. And we know Georgetown is probably coming in January on a Saturday in the Dome. And Georgetown's not going to be very good this year, by all accounts. They've, they've lost a lot from but last year. But that hasn't so that's, detracted them from beating the Orange in the past. Worth, worth yes, putting that out there. It's a good point. And those games tend to be close, as, as legend has it. So... I think what we've seen from the schedule is that's kind of going to be it for Power 5 teams, at least non-con-wise, and we'll probably round it out with some Niagara's and, and teams of those nature that are close in proximity and kind of make sense and line up date-wise. And there's been rumors about an MTE for Syracuse, which is the multi-team event that they will probably host in the Dome and, and play some of those caliber of teams. But Good to see Buffalo on the schedule. Buffalo's not going to be crazy good this year or as good as they were with Nate Oates when they did beat Syracuse and snap that long winning streak. So should be a win. But again, they have, they've given Syracuse fits in the past. And, and like you said, it's, it's foolish to do the win-loss thing because especially in, the, in this COVID time period where, you know, we could find out right before the game, boom, Joe Girard's out or something like that. And obviously we hope that doesn't happen, but it's going to happen to teams. This was interesting to me on how this schedule got made. There's no little buffer or anything or any sort of contingency plan around this pandemic, which I found kind of interesting. Now, maybe I, I haven't seen, did they, have they released the dates of the ACC tournament? Maybe they have, but no, it so might have is... been wise. Maybe even yeah. to have like you do some makeup games at the site of the ACC tournament. Like you get those teams, you have them come out to the, to where, where's the ACC tournament this year? Do you, do you know I, off the I top of your head? I believe let's, it's Greensboro. Let's again, just call it Greensboro. Or, okay. For, okay. for the intent of there's this no exercise. value in playing right. in Greensboro. Though. Exactly. Well, this year there might be some extra value in playing in Greensboro because you could have, you're going to have all these teams together at, in Greensboro for the, the ACC tournament. Why not use that? Because everything's going to feel like a neutral site game anyway. 
why not use yeah. that as sort of the the place to to get all these all these makeup games in i think that could so be so i think there is a, a buffer zone there is there i'm pretty sure between i i saw it i i should know this for sure i saw it on twitter i think that there's like a four or five day gap between the end of the regular season and what will okay. likely be the ACC tournament. Yeah, but there's always like a four to five go. day gap there. I would almost make it a week, week and a half gap. You can I make gotcha. up any yeah. sort of games in this quasi bubble that you're going to have at the ACC tournament in all likelihood. And then you go from there and that's how you, then you'll have your seating set and then you play in your tournament with everything all seated out. I think that would yeah, have been it, the best way, to, or that would be the best way to do all of this. The only way you can do that, though, is if you're just committed to playing March Madness in April and you push that back. Because if you're going to make it, listen, a, a I don't think or, I don't think the NCAA cares when March Madness gets played. No, all I right? know I, you need that billion dollars. Yes, I, I think that's what they should have done. I agree, but there's no way that you could push. You could have a week, a week and a half break between, because then that would mean you're having to cram in more games in the normal ACC schedule window, and given the COVID tests and everything, that would cause more problems. Because already, if if someone tests positive, they could be out for three to four conference games, or if there's some sort of you know uh, the virus spreads on on one team and, and in the facilities that could knock them out for three or four games. It's not like football where it's going to be just one game because there's one game a week. Right. And, th- and that's the thing yeah. about basketball too, is you, you've got, it's easier, I think, to schedule around basketball because let's say for some reason, and again, I think while the virus can spread a little more rampantly through a basketball program than maybe a football program, let's say that you can isolate one player and everyone else keeps testing negative and Let's say here, let me pick a game here. Let, let's say NC State, that game that's scheduled for February or yeah, February 9th. It says 9th okay. or 10th, but let's call it the 9th for now. So let's say that game and there's a COVID case that flares up on the NC State side, but they've isolated that player. You've got everything squared away. Everyone's all tested up. Why don't you play that game on the 11th? All right. You play that game on the 11th or play it on the 12th, whatever. Get it done because you're still going to have these buffer windows in between games where maybe you can play the day after if everything goes according to plan and everyone's healthy so i think that there is flexibility built in and i think you could have flexibility at the acc tournament site as well yeah and the tough part about football is it takes such a toll on the player's body that right you can't play two games a week correct yeah Yeah. exactly so basketball that's going to be an advantage for sure for basketball any other thoughts on the schedule or the ACC polls before we kind of wrap things up here? Um, I don't know. Did you get a vote on when these schedules got, like who gets played when? <laughs> Did you get a vote on that too? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, I'll be sure to let you know next time. Next year when the email comes out, I'm just going to make sure, I'm going to text you the second it comes out so that you know, because I am almost positive you got an email about this and listen just, i'm gonna look through my in inbox. inbox you know what stall a little bit let me look through my inbox all right oh my gosh <laughs> all right you really you really gonna take it to this level i don't know like g- shout out built bar or something right now i, I don't care like look here. let me <laughs> let me look ACC. i can talk about um well I, I can talk about how i don't know what i can talk about <laughs> 
Uh, let's so see. I've got the the schedule release from the ACC. I've got the some student athlete coalition. I've got uh, something with the ACC. Network. It's in an old inbox. I bet it's probably an email you don't even use. Is it? Because that's what happened to me. I mean, I had my S-Y-R I mean, I'm getting email. I'm getting all my ACCs in uh, this uh, Gmail account that I have, and I'm not seeing anything mm. else. So. It's uh yeah maybe you just stink as a media member yeah maybe that I do and yeah I'm that. an idiot yeah, yeah maybe right. Bayheim outlawed me who knows yeah well I I put in our vote for locked on Syracuse I should have consoled with you but I I think we are pretty aligned I had Syracuse six what would you have put him I probably would have put him seventh but hey. okay would Miami ahead I'm I assuming? don't think here wait let me let me pull up the points real quick uh the points it wouldn't have made a difference oh it would have made a difference see now you're tinkering with it all right because there's a <laughs> there's oh wait never mind that's 11 points um so we yeah. would have had to I, I read it wrong I thought it said 30 well they got Miami got 12 anyway. Syracuse got 12 I thought it said Miami had 12 not 12 so I thought for a second we could have been tampering with history but for right, now, we're points. all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll never know what impact it could have had if you had your vote. But anyway, that, that wraps it for the pod today. We will have Matthew Gutierrez on the show tomorrow. Hopefully, we're going to talk to him, who is over at The Athletic, and we're just going to pick his brain on D.U.R. Johnson. What are you hearing on that? He re- yeah, he probably does. <laughs> he, he probably voted, too. We can ask him how he voted in the ACC polls, but... uh We'll pick his brain on Dior Johnson, Roddy Gale, which is looking less and less likely by the day that he's coming to Q's. Also, I think Arthur Kaluma is, is dropping his decision tomorrow, too. If, if you care about that, it, it's not looking good for it's Syracuse. looking like UNLV. So if, yeah. yeah, UNLV seems like the lock there. And if it's Syracuse, we'll, we'll happily get on a podcast and react to that and, and push back Goody or, or maybe even talk about it with Goody if it happens. Yeah. But, that seems unlikely. So we'll talk to Goody tomorrow, but we appreciate you guys listening. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, and we'll talk with you tomorrow. Oh.